Greetings, my name is Griffin Schaefer. And my name is Scott Peterson. And this is episode 137 of Inside Quizzing. A podcast about Bible quizzing for folks who love the Bible. And in this episode 137, Scott and I are going to be talking about a couple of things CBQ rules related. So the version of CBQ rules or the CBQ system that we used at IOC just last month, it seems like so much longer ago, Uh, so much, uh, only about a month has passed, but uh, it seems like it was ancient history uh, at this point because so much has happened uh, since then, but we were using version 1.0 at IOC and had a lot of fun, but definitely, uh, you know, based on real world experience, decided to make a few adjustments. So version 1.1 got launched, uh, it was late last week, I think Thursday of last week when it launched out. And so we'll be reviewing the rules there, well, the, well, the rules changes. There aren't that many. Um, they're just a handful of tweaks and so forth, but we'll talk about what those tweaks are. And then we thought we would try to do a deep dive into stratagem regarding open book uh, quizzing. So, of course, in CBQ, you've got the three kinds of, well, there's more than three quizzer uh, selected subtypes, but the three majors are synonymous, the default, verbatim, and then open book. And so, of course, with open book, you actually get to reference your uh, reference materials. But if you're going to do that, uh, you're severely limited in terms of like a few things. Number one, your points are capped. You can only ever get one point for for the query uh, if you get it correct. And uh, you uh, also reduce your ceiling, which I think is even more brutal uh, than the points. So every time you uh, answer an open book correctly, your ceiling drops by one in addition to the using of one of your four slots for the the correct. So instead of having a ceiling of four, you go to three and then eventually to two. So ultimately, if you do nothing but open book, you can your maximum point earnings is two. Uh, before you reach your ceiling. So thinking about that in the context of, is it ever a smart idea to go open book? And sometimes it is, uh, but we're going to talk about what those are and deep dive into the math. But fair warning, neither Scott nor I have actually conducted any of the math yet. Uh, So we're actually going to do this live, well, live for us, recorded for you uh, over the course of the podcast. So yeah, um, I talked a lot in the intro. Scott, anything you want to add here or any other uh, topics you want to throw into the agenda? Are you just mentioning that the new rules are released um, and not going over any of the specifics? No, I'll, t- I'll talk I'll talk through some of the specifics, um, just um, but at a high level. But we can deep dive uh, on any of those if you want to, or if you've got any questions about anything or the whys behind any of that. Nothing. I'm trying to peruse it as quickly as possible to see what the actual changes are. Um, and I'm not seeing much that's of material, like stratagem type things, you know, like extending some of the prompt lengths and reply lengths and, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, impact, you know? Yeah. In terms of strategy, it probably doesn't have very much at all. Uh, certainly in terms of quizzer prep, I'd say it basically has zero implication. Um, well, uh, uh, Sort of. I mean, it may have a very, very tiny implication on how you might put together some material references, maybe, but actually maybe not. Anyway, let's go through it and and 
we'll let people make their make up their minds. So I'm just going to go chronologically uh, through this because I'm looking at a diff between version 1.0 and 1.1. So I'm not I'm probably not going to explain these differences in a mo in a, a cogent logical way, but more a structural way. It's just sort of FYI. All right. So the first difference is um, the concept of of materials for a particular quiz meet or a season uh, includes the notion of what translation or translations are going to be supported at a particular meet. This is something that happened in 1.1.0. So at IOC, we supported three translations, the BSB, uh, the ESV, and the NIV. Uh, so in P&W coming up for the GEPCA season, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Colossians, uh, and so forth, uh, the, we're going to be supporting obviously NIV. We're also going to be supporting NASB and we might be supporting ESV, uh, depending upon if we've got some teams coming in from Northern Idaho. It seems highly probable that we will. Uh, so we're either going to be supporting two, uh, but more likely three translations and they'll be equivalent, similar to how we supported three translations at IOC. However, an interesting wrinkle came up. I, I don't know if it came up in IOC or if it was post IOC, but what ends up happening is one of the groups, a very large group, uh, that's going to be participating in PNW quizzing th in the GEPCA year this coming season in the fall memorizes not the most current NASB, but they actually memorize the NASB 1995. Uh, so there are, however, occasionally quizzers who pick up a current NASB, uh, but theoretically the program supports the 95 version, the school, this is part of a school, they, they teach from the 95 edition. Now that may change over time, but that's where they're at right now. So technically speaking, what ends up happening is for next season, and let's just sort of ignore Northern Idaho for now, uh, and focus on just uh, NIV and NASB. Technically, the two translations that we're going to support next year would be NIV, the most current version, and the 1995 of the NASB. I'm like, okay, fine. All, all that's well and good. But there might be occasionally a quizzer who shows up having memorized the most current NASB. Well, that's appreciably very, very similar to the NASB. 95, the current and the 95 are, are very, very similar. So it doesn't really make a ton of sense to actually have two thirds of the queries be from the NASB 95 or current and, a th and only a third from NIV. That doesn't make a lot of sense. And so ultimately we wrote into the rules a way to have a two kinds of translations. You can have a primary translation uh, which is just like a normal uh, translation before uh, this d determination. And then you can have an auxiliary translation. So what's an auxiliary translation? That's a translation that you're saying, we're going to support this translation at the meet in the sense that quizzers can respond from that translation, but that translation will not show up in the query distribution, right? Now, what does that really matter? Well, Ultimately, it doesn't in a practical sense, except that having that auxiliary translation listed as an auxiliary translation in the material label does influence 
what the data is that the uh, quiz magistrate has in their program, uh, QuizSage, to be able to to be able to, to actually track along with a quizzer and to actually rule uh, uh, on that quizzer. Now, the difference between 95 and current in the NASB probably makes zero difference in terms of synonymous answering. But when you're talking about verbatim, of course, it makes a significant difference. And in the very rare, maybe 1% of cases where the synonymous word structures might be different, you want to be able to have a thesaurus that actually targets either the current versus 95 based on the quizzer. So ultimately, at the end of the day, as a quizzer, if you see an auxiliary translation listed, and how will you know it's going to have a little asterisk next to it? That's what denotes the auxiliary. If you see an auxiliary, you can more or less ignore it uh, because it will not influence any of your prep. It will not influence any of your material reference building. It's just saying, well, the quiz magistrate will have the data and the tools available available to support a quizzer responding from that auxiliary translation should that uh, quizzer register under that translation. Um, all right. So the next big thing that changed is the when you are responding via synonymous. So this doesn't this doesn't apply uh, verbatim, but when you are responding, actually, no, it does. Ignore what I just said. I just confused myself. When you're responding to a phrase uh, based subtype query, uh, you don't actually have to recite to the end of the verse anymore. You're actually going to recite up until the, a sentence ending punctuation, either a period, a question mark, or an exclamation mark, or the end of the verse, whichever is shorter. So if the sentence ends at the end of the verse or it continues into the next verse, then you just recite to the end of the verse as, it, as would be normal in the 1.0 universe, but if there is a sentence break, uh, as defined uh, by a period, question mark, or exclamation point, you really only have to recite up to that uh, punctuation mark. Now, what happens if you keep going? Well, that's not a problem, because you're, you will, by definition, still be in context if you're staying within that verse. So you don't have to stop absolutely at that punctuation mark. You can keep going, but you are correct if you provide correct enough information pr uh, up to uh, that uh, sentence uh, break. So there's a few places in the rule book in materials where we talk about sequences of words now can be separated by sentence breaks. Uh, and there's some other language that's been added. So in phrase queries, this is the case. In chapter reference queries, this is also the case where uh, sentence ending punctua punctuation matters. In quotes and finishes, it doesn't. So in quotes and finishes, you still have to recite to the end of the verse. But in phrases and chapter references, you don't. It's just to the uh, sentence ending punctuation. Um, I've talked a lot here. Scott, any thoughts on this? So if the sentence continues past the end of the verse, the quizzer only has to go to the end of the verse. That's right. Was so was there a desire to keep the potential response short um even if it results in a truncated like meaning or message being finished? Yeah, well, it's not so much the desire to keep it short. So in the 1.0 universe, the the idea is when you're quoting from a verse, you should never, unless you add a verse, you should never have to go beyond that particular verse, right? So if you're doing a quote, 
you're really only ever quoting that one verse, right? Uh, and that's, uh, in from my perspective, I think that's fairly ideal. But the problem, quote unquote, the an issue that got raised at IOC was there are there are cases where a verse might be uh, I don't know ten or twelve words long where let's say it's twelve words long where ten words are part of a sentence and then the, the last two words are actually the beginning of a sentence that trails into the next verse and it seemed really weird and awkward to have quizzers respond you know up to the end of that. Uh, sentence in a phrase and then not actually quote the, the next two words. And so the idea was, and there was some, some other feedback that basically was saying, well, synonymous really ought to be somewhere in between open book and verbatim, but it's not. It's actually harder than a middle point. So this was a way to soften. It was one of a couple of different things that we did to soften the difficulty of synonymous responses even though this actually relates to phrases and chapter references. Gotcha. Um, so continuing that notion, though, of softening syn synonymous, one of the things that we did that is targeted directly to synonymous questions is that we are ignoring prepositions as well as articles. So in the 1.0 universe, articles are ignored. In the 1.1 universe, articles and prepositions are ignored in terms of evaluating synonymous responses. So obviously, if you say the preposition, it's totally fine. If you provide a different preposition, that's totally fine. If you you know, completely skip the preposition. That's also completely fine. It's just like articles. We're ignoring them in terms of rulings at the synonymous level. Now, of course, at the verbatim level, they absolutely have to be there. They have to be there in order. Uh, but uh, at the synonymous level, uh, we're just ignoring those things. Everything else uh, remains the same. Unless so I'm thinking of um, the Old Testament where they're the instructions on constructing the tabernacle. So if something said on top of, and the quizzer said under, they would be correct in synonymous land. They would be correct in synonymous land. So, and this, I know that's going to make a lot of people cringe and it kind of makes me cringe a little bit as well, because you're saying, well, you're providing incorrect information. And it's like, well, yeah, technically we are doing that, but we're not asking for an answer to a question or answer we're, we're, we're requesting a reply or a response to a prompt. And the idea of softening synonymous here was just find a way where we could objectively say, let's throttle down the difficulty ever so slightly um, without losing our ability to, to rule on things objectively. Right. And so like a lot of rules, this, this rule is not intended to, it is not stating that these distinctions are not important. It's just fulfilling a different goal. Oh, yeah. That's really – that's a very important point, right? So, like, we're not saying that articles are not important, although they're less important let's, than, say, prepositions, I would say, uh, just from a biblically – you know, a biblical scholar perspective. Uh, but uh, but in terms of, you know, ideally, we want people to be able to re respond verbatim. Uh, that's the sort of the ideal, the goal, and we want to encourage everybody to strive after that goal. But if somebody is uh, responding synonymous to a query, we want to try to try to put that synonymous difficulty a little bit closer to midpoint between open book and verbatim. Yep. All right. So let's see. There's a couple of clarifying things in terms of open book 
that doesn't really change things in practice. It was just cleaning up some stuff in the rule book. Uh, in case of phrase, I'm just reading here to do, yeah, expanding to the whole verse. Nothing really new there. Um, primary trend, we've already talked about primary and auxiliary, but in terms of the type matrix, uh, just to reiterate, only primary translations matter in terms of the type matrix. Uh, auxiliary translations are not included. And then a little bit more cleanliness around rulings about correct or incorrect. Mm, context. Context is a little bit different. So I'm still on the fence as to whether or not this is a good idea, but um, I received multiple concurrent or collaborative... I, what's the word I'm looking for? I received multiple independent feedbacks that all were the same. Uh, so <laughs> that's usually an indication that I should listen. And so even though I'm still feeling a, a little bit uncomfortable about this change, I implemented it anyway, uh, based on receiving the feedback. So context is a little bit different. So context for a quote and a finish is the verse from which the query originates. And this remains the same between 1.0 and, and 1.1. But context for a chapter uh, reference query is now different than 1.0 versus 1.1. It used to be the entire chapter. Now it is the is the verse from which the query originates plus up to five verses prior and following the chapter uh, within the chapter. So in other words, uh, wherever the chapter break happens to be, you're not going to cross a chapter break in terms of, of uh, context. So context will not include, let's say you're in chapter five, uh, the last verse in chapter five, context will not extend into chapter six, but it is not the entire chapter five. It will only be five verses prior uh, let's say if it's the last verse in chapter five, it'll be five, five verses prior will be the context for that particular uh, query. The reason behind this is uh, at IOC, there were cases where a quizzer, uh, it actually happened a couple more than more than once it happened a few times in my room, not a ton, but a few times where a quizzer would jump with the chapter number, but not any discernible syllable of the first word of the query. And then they what they would do is they would just start quoting the chapter. Well, in every case except one, or no, two, in every case except two, they quoted as rapidly as they could, but they couldn't actually quote the entire chapter and they got it incorrect. All right, no big deal. Uh, but in two cases, they got it correct, which seems cool. One of which, um, as the QM I caught, the second one, I actually counted them incorrect because they were going so fast I couldn't hear them. Um, and I got some feedback after the uh, meet from multiple sources saying, yeah, we should, you know, yeah, it's cool to have a quizzer quote the entire chapter if they can within their 40 seconds, but we shouldn't do that, especially when we're talking about like open book, uh, you know, where somebody can just speed read through there. And so the idea of limiting the context here down to five verses uh, prior and following within the chapter to the origin query was the idea of shortening this up to prevent just a complete spam of, of the chapter. So yeah, Scott, what are your thoughts about this? I have many questions. <laughs> um, what would you say is the point, the goal um, of the chapter reference base subtype, um, 
either in CBQ land or in H2 land. So in H2, it, it really, it depends, right? Because you've got in H2, or at least in, in CMA H2, and actually I'm pretty sure this exists in, um, well, I know it exists in at least one other program, but um, in, in H2 CMA, you have a chapter reference and you have a chapter verse reference. And those two things do very different things. <laughs> the, 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 they test the material in different ways, right? Um, arguably, and this is why we don't have a, a chapter verse reference in CBQ, arguably the way a CVR tests material knowledge is not really appreciably different than, say, a quote uh, query. And so looking at that, we basically said, yeah, there just isn't that much difference or value in having a unique type for a CVR. Now, in the CMA universe, CVRs are really interesting and really kind of cool because of the way you respond to them at the upper levels. You quote backwards uh, because, well, you can quote backwards as a strategy because uh, when you get to a particular point, the, the QM will jump in and say, and prompt you for your question, and you're required to provide a question, and there's all kinds of rules around that. And there's some stratagem around how you're going to go about responding and answering a, a CVR. That's interesting, but I don't know that it really provided anything truly unique, especially in a, a CBQ universe. And so that's why we don't have a CVR. We just cover that with a, a quote query. But a chapter reference was basically saying this is a phrase, but it is a phrase where the first three words are <coughs> duplicative and we uh, to some other point in the material. And we want you to be able to use that duplication along with the chapter reference itself to be able to identify where in the material it happens to be. And I've always come from, uh, you know, uh, World doesn't do this, I think, anymore, but way back in the 90s, World Bible Quizzing used to have um, no context around uh, the chapter, so you could speed quote the the chapter. Now, in World in the 90s, you didn't have open book, but if you could, in fact, quote the chapter and you didn't go out of context when you were quoting the chapter, then, okay, great, you can actually answer a chapter reference question and you won't go out of context and you'll be fine. So in terms of CBQ testability, I wanted to have a chapter reference there because I think it provided a test of the material that's not as definitive or, or narrowing in as, say, a quote, but not as wide as a phrase. So it's having some idea of the a spot in the material where it's going to be. So that's kind of why I feel a little bit less completely against this change, because we're just saying we're saying, yeah, you you still need to kind of know where this comes from. But instead of saying it just comes from somewhere within this entire chapter, we're narrowing you to an even smaller context uh, for this particular response. But we're not narrowing you to the one verse or two if you add a verse context of say a finish or a quote yeah and i think we kind of have to start from the place of we were trying to get away from quizmaster prompts um and so you you just can't have reference questions in the same way that they exist today in h2 right um because you can't really have 
the quizzer identify the specific question without the quiz master prompting them at a, at a timely spot. Um, and we didn't want that requirement. I think you could potentially change the rules to allow um, any valid from the same verse, and then you wouldn't need a quiz master prompt. But I think I think you wanted to get away from the quizzer having to specifically identify the specific question being asked, right? Yeah, because I felt it was it was too technical. Um, there were quizzers who there were quizzers who knew the material word perfect who could if you if you gave them a reference um or a block of references they could quote you every verse word perfect um they have basically perfectly mastered the material but because of some quirks with how the rules exist and how they were implemented the the quizzer could be in a position where they couldn't be assured of getting the 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 question correct even though they 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 know exactly where uh, they're quoting from, and they're able to quote word perfectly. They still get it incorrect. And to me, I was like, that really, really bothered me because that felt countermissional uh, to me. The the other and then and the flip side of that is well, not the flip side, but the corresponding point of that is you you mentioned we wanted to move away from QMs being required, or actually we, not even required. We wanted to move away from QMs ever prompting quizzers. And you might think, well, why aren't the prompts kind of conversational and helpful to the quizzers and all the things? And yeah, I, I think they are. And as a quiz master, I kind of actually enjoyed uh, having that role of prompting a quizzer. The problem is QM prompts are uh, Quizmaster prompts are never objective. They're not an objective, not the right word. They're never absolutely consistent. Um, and based on like there would be in, in high level quizzing, there would be multiple times during a meet where as a QM, you would not be a hundred percent sure that now is the exact time when I need to uh, prompt. And as a result of that, uh, quizzers could potentially be in a situation where because of a QM not prompting exactly at a particular point, but still completely within the range of what would be legal in the rules, the quizzer is uh, ends up getting a question incorrect that they otherwise would have gotten correct. And then you challenge or appeal, but then you're you know, in you're so far into subjective land at that point, it's sort of like subjective to the power of subjective at that point. And that's why we wanted to move away from, from that prompt. We don't want a quiz master, anything that a quiz master says, uh, we don't want the, uh, or quiz magistrate, any, anytime a quiz, ma a QM says something, we don't want that to cause a quizzer to be incorrect unless the QM makes a mistake, which is definitionally uh, appealable and obviously appealable. Right. Now, this might feel like a rabbit trail, but I am setting up a, a, a statement. I think that in the H2 world, the difference between quizzers that could um, reliably get reference questions and the quizzers who could reliably win jumps on reference questions and quote everything word perfectly but not get them right, the majority of the difference... I would say 90% was not lack of knowledge of the optimal strategy. It was lack of an ability to implement, to execute the optimal strategy because they knew the material less well. And it, will, it, it was a perfect test of actually knowing the material less well. That's interesting. Um, 
You might be right, but I don't think you are. What data do you have to support that? The quizzers that would that would get reference questions wrong were always some manner of slow. They would take longer to start quoting. They would take longer to get through parts of the verse. Um, their recall was slow enough that they couldn't um, get through it in time, um, or it was slow enough that they could start it, get through it pretty fast, but couldn't go backwards, or they didn't know the, well, the verse well enough to go backwards, or they didn't know the verse well enough to go backwards in small chunks, or they didn't know it well enough to go backwards in small chunks quickly. And all of it stemmed from how well you knew the material. Yeah, okay. I think, yeah, perhaps that's fair. But you would grant me that there were still cases above zero of the quizzers in the more advanced category who would end up getting CVRs incorrect for not reasons of, you know, misremembering the verbatim text. Totally, totally. And so if we want to solve what I would deem to be the, you know, 10, maybe 20% of the cases, fine. I, I hate throwing away the harder test. And so this, what I'm leading towards is I think in a CBQ land where there are no CVRs, so there's not that extra strong test, there's only chapter references, I think the starting spot of, well, we're not requiring them to give a question, so the context kind of has to be the whole verse, I think that was smart. And then we see like, well, quizzers are just going to quote the whole verse because that's what they did in age two before we required them to provide a question on chapter references, right? Like right. I, I quizzed internationals under this, got one right because of it. Yeah. Um, so then I think, okay, add context because we want the quizzers to be precise. So my question would be, why five verses? Why not one above and below? Yeah, I mean, that could be – yeah, I mean – that would be a much simpler way to slice this, right? Just say context is always the same no matter what, and it's always going to be one verse or two if you add a verse, whether it's a chapter quote or finish. Well, I was actually saying three, so the verse plus one above and below, but you could even just say the same verse. Sure. Because it, I, in either case, I think it's we want the quizzer to be precise because otherwise – it's sure the phrase is more vague, but we're giving you the chapter. And I would say it's 90% the same as um, a phrase query in yeah. its current implementation. But I mean, maybe uh, flip it from the other perspective. Let's say context for chapter references was one verse and one verse only, as in the source verse, right? Um, right. We might get feedback to say chapter references are these synonymous chapter references are too uh are they're closer to verbatim difficulty than they are um uh not right so because of the context rule so like a phrase uh, a, a synonymous phrase is would be significantly easier than a synonymous uh chapter reference in that universe right because the context is larger on a phrase well yeah because there is no context on a phrase right so i mean i can just start saying anything um, literally anything. And as long as I eventually, you know, say the right stuff, uh, before sure. my 40 seconds are over, I'm going to get a phrase correct. But if I, if I say something out of context on a chapter reference, I, I can actually be counted incorrect before my 40 seconds are done. So why do we care though, that the difficulty is way different? Yeah. I don't know. Are you advocating that we, so you're, you're in favor of this change. And in fact, you think the change doesn't go far enough. Yes, because I view each of the different base subtypes as it should be testing something different of the quizzer. And but between the difference in 
difficulty of the different tests and the trigger speed, quizzers get to, to like play in their own arena. And so I don't care if a synonymous chapter reference is eight times as hard as a synonymous phrase or half as hard because it's all going to bear out in how quickly quizzers decide to jump on it. Yeah, fair. I mean, this does to, to a degree though, like I want to try to keep the points being at least in the same ballpark as the difficulty of responding correctly. So like verbatim being worth four synonymous being worth two open book being worth one. Like um, I like the fact that when you ratchet up the difficulty, you get more points as a result of that. So that's why I tend to want to keep the different, uh, uh, the different uh, base query types, the four different base query types, roughly similar in difficulty. I mean, they're not going to be ever, they're never going to be exactly equal, but they're testing different things, but theoretically being kind of within the same ballpark of the same level of difficulty. Because if you respond to say uh, a quote, uh, verbatim versus you respond to a quote synonymous. I think, I think the verbatim should be rewarded more because we're, we're evaluating you to a higher standard, right? Sure. And I think that's the case within each base subtype. So you're saying you want all verbatims across subtypes to be more difficult than all synonymouses across all subtypes. Yeah. I mean, I think they are right. Um, maybe, I don't know. I've got to think about that, but I definitely, I would like every I, I would like every verbatim across the four base subtypes to be harder and ideally twice as hard as the synonymous uh, uh, four base subtype. But I think you can't talk about difficulty without talking about trigger speed. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I mean, they're they're difficult in different ways, right? So like a quote query... I mean, obviously, your 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 trigger speed is hairpin, right? And it's got to be like really, really, really precise. And we we learned that <laughs> through through many examples at IOC where there were uh, triggers that were happening on quote questions that were too fast. And in fact, I think actually, uh, I don't know. It feels like this may not actually be true, but it feels like it's true that a majority of the quote questions were aired on quote queries were aired on because the triggers were too fast um, and and not by, you know, a ton, but just a hair too fast uh, and not getting it. And it's like, OK, that's very that's very, very different than, say, responding to a phrase query from a foreign translation. Right. So let's say all three teams are NIV and it's an NASB phrase. It's like, OK, well, all three uh, teams should probably be waiting for like the fourth word maybe even the fifth word, but, but certainly wait till at least the beginning of the fourth word, if not maybe through the end of the fourth word or something like that, depending upon, you know, the situation and, and what's going on there. But you definitely want to slow way down for those. But I mean, it's a different kind of difficulty, but I don't know that it's appreciably different in terms of absolute difficulty. Does that, I'm using physics words here, but and what what two things are you are you comparing? Well, let's say let's compare let's say a quote uh, a query, right? Um, and of course, it doesn't matter if it's local or foreign or native or foreign; sure. it doesn't matter. Sure. Um, to a foreign phrase, right? So a foreign phrase, you need to slow way down. 
right? Um, but a quote, you have to be really, really hairpin. And in a foreign phrase, like as long as you wait long enough, right? Let's say it's four words, but it's like you're jumping on, you're basically jumping on comp uh, recognition of a concept, right? So you, it's really hard to get hairpin. Like it's, it's really difficult to get let's call it a perfect trigger, right? So let's, okay, so let's back up for a second and talk theory. So let's say you're a robot and you have a software and it runs perfectly. There is a theoretical perfect trigger point um, in every query where it's like, if you go faster than this, you will, you're, you're, you will likely error or your error rate just starts to skyrocket, right? Um, well, and- but, but even that is not enough data. Because you don't know what your opponents are doing. You don't. You don't. But you have an idea of like your error rate. And you have an idea of like, if I jump prior to the formation of the first syllable of the verse, it is very likely I will get a quote query, query incorrect, right? Well, well, sure. You can figure out when your at what trigger speed your error rate falls below 50%. Right. But that does still doesn't tell you whether you want to jump where your error rate is 63% or 79% or, uh, you know, your correct rate is 63% or 79%. And that is dependent on your opponents. Fair, fair, fair. But let's, let's say you're able to calculate that somehow. Right. But there, there is ultimately okay. at a theory, even if we don't know what that, that speed is, right. Sure. Even if it's unknown, there is a theoretical perfect trigger speed. Right. Um, yes. Because again, like we're not talking about, assuring a 100 percent uh victory um uh, we're actually saying no you actually want to be faster than that you want to you know ratchet it to some place around i don't know 70 percent 80 percent i don't know pick a number right but but wherever that number happens to be and again where is that number that number is probably the accuracy number is probably based on uh the opponents right but uh to where 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 that that perfect number is, but there is a theoretical perfect trigger speed, right? Um, in quote queries, it's pretty easy to determine where that is. Um, in free foreign phrase queries, it's really hard. <laughs> like it's really, really hard to know where that is. And it's going to be hyper different almost in, in like based on the words that you're hearing, right? So a computer operating at infinite speed, hearing each of these things can figure out, okay, this is the exact spot where I need to trigger, hit that and, and have enough to be able to answer, right? Everyone else, you know, normal humans will never be able to target that. And so it's, it's a, it's a, essentially the ideal speed is going to be slowing down a little bit past that, but not by a ton. And then figuring out like, well, how much do I fluctuate that from, from query to query? And it's like, it's never going to be the same. So it's not, you can't like in age two, you could count syllables. You could say, well, my ideal speed is 2.5 syllables or whatever. Like you can pick a speed and based on that, you could reverse that into an error rate and you could usually build some strategies around that in the CBQ world, when you're talking about, like, say, phrase queries, and even to a degree, similarly for chapter reference queries, you really can't do that. Like, it's, and especially when you're talking about, like, foreign translations, I think you can do that 
to a degree with native translations, but not to the same degree, because there's a wider variance of even on, say, native phrase queries, there's a, there's a, uh, the variance is wider uh, of when something becomes key. And so, and, and also errors, I think, in CBQ, errors actually hurt you more, even though you don't take a negative on points. I think the error actually hurts you more than an error in, say, second age does, right? Um, because you're, you, you're, when you err, you're not burning the the query. It's the query just keeps going for the other two teams, right? Um, well, a, a different query, but the, of the same type. So it's not like you're 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 progressing the quiz. You're just giving the other teams an opportunity to score uh, without you having that opportunity. And I think that actually hurts more um, than than the error. So ultimately, like I don't know the difficulty of a phrase query and the difficulty of a quote query let's say synonymous or verbatim, right? They're very different, but I don't think they are, I don't think one is necessarily harder than the other. They're just wildly different, right? So, so what does this have to do though with d designing the difficulty of them, right? Because we got here of like, you didn't seem to want to make a reference um, query as difficult as I was proposing because it, um, it would have an outsized relative difficulty to synonymous um, queries of other, of the other base subtypes. Yeah, and I mean, you might be right about this, and maybe this is just my hang-up of it, but it feels to me, and, and honestly, I haven't done enough thinking about this, but I want to give a little bit wider... I, I, I can't tell you why I feel this way. I feel like I want to give a little bit wider of a context window for chapter reference than just a single verse. Um Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it just needs to be one verse. Um, I mean, the other thing that we could do to simplify things even more is uh, context is one verse for everything, including phrases. I mean, okay, what are my thoughts? What are my thoughts? Context kind of serves two potential purposes because it does force precision, but it also um, makes things more difficult on the official because then they have to judge on they have to be aware of things that would be out of context right? rather than just knowing that it's not in this context. Right. Um, and, and honestly, that's why not to interrupt you, but I'm interrupting you, but that's why that is a reason, not the reason, but it is a reason for shortening the chapter reference context from the entire chapter, because in blitz quoting, it's extremely difficult for the QM to be able to tell whether they're actually staying within the chapter. Right. Um, I think the point that I'm saying is either I agree with everything that you've said, or if I disagree, I think it's almost inconsequential. <laughs> okay. I think making a chapter reference have a five verse context makes it unappreciably different from a phrase query. And then there's no point in having a different base subtype. Whereas in the world where there was no context, there was the strategic option to do what quizzers did who could quote the whole chapter, jump so quickly, trigger so quickly that quizzers who weren't employing, who couldn't quote the whole chapter would never be able to compete. And then they could still get it right. Well, okay. But really, I don't know that I don't think I agree. So like a chapter reference query with a context of five verses versus a phrase query that has no context at all. Like, 
to me, I think they, I, w- I don't know which one is more difficult or less difficult. They're, they're maybe similar in difficulty, but they're very different, right? With like a phrase, I can be hunt- hunting and pecking. Hopefully I don't do this because maybe I, you know, hopefully I review the material better, but I can hunt and peck for responses across the entire material or, you know, the universe. And it's totally fine. Um, as long as I get it done within the the 40 seconds. Um, but I also don't have a mental narrowing, uh, to be able to search my brain in a particular way based on the chapter reference. Right. So I have the entire material to mentally search through, but I, I can kind of hunt and peck my way around and it's okay if I'm hunting and pecking my way around a chapter reference, however, lets me mentally narrow myself to a particular spot you know, a particular chapter. And I then have to figure out where within that chapter that verse comes from. Um, so I, I'm aided by the limitation. Well, I'm not limitation. I'm aided by the mental filtering based get by, by the fact that I'm given a chapter reference, but I'm also, uh, you know, I have, to, I have a, an increase in difficulty because I have to stay within the context. Does that make sense? Sure, but you're still talking about the difficulty of it. I don't care about the difficulty. I care about the different kind of test, which doesn't have to do with difficulty. Right. Well, sure, but it, but that's that's also my point, right? It's a very different kind of test where the phrase is basically do do you can you can you figure out where in the material these word this word for, uh, this a couple of words whatever come from or or if it's, you know, in multiple places, can you recite those multiple places? Um, it's basically like, here's some, here's a phrase, tell, tell me more, right? Um, the chapter reference says, okay, we're, we're only going to focus on this particular spot of the material. Here's a phrase. And part of that phrase actually exists in other places in the material. So it can confuse you, but I'm telling you, I only want you to respond from this particular point of, of the material go. So it's testing something very different. Well, not very different. It's testing something different. It's not as wildly different as, say, a quote relative to a finish, but it is it is testing uh, testing what you know or how you recall the material differently. Now, remind me, the entirety of a chapter reference prompt um, has to exist in a different chapter. No, only the first three words. Um, so the reason we did, and this is kind of where it starts to get a little bit hacked up. Um, the reason we did that is because if you increase, ideally what we wanted was a chapter reference query, a prompt for a, for a chapter reference query to exist in multiple places. And like, okay, cool. But you, uh, if you're talking about multi-translation, you usually can't figure it out based on, say, just three words. You need more than three words. Typically four um, is what you need. Maybe five, but usually four uh, to be able to find and it. When you say to be able to find it, like what? what's the definition of that? Um, so so if you're if you're answering or if you're responding from a foreign translation, essentially what you need is you need enough words from the prompt to be able to conceptually figure out like oh they're talking about x right versus gotcha. so, so the the lengths of all of this 
a lot of this is designed from a foreign translation jumper's perspective. Uh, both, right? A uh, foreign and local, right? And and they're going to be jumping or they're going to be triggering differently, you know, certainly, right? Um, but the idea being that we ideally wanted but, to... See- okay, but let me push back on that. Like, okay. let's say it's a local translation. Mm-hmm. Who cares if it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine words long? Like, you're giving them the reference and a phrase that... Um, of its entire length only occurs once in that chapter. Who cares if it's two words? Oh, sure, sure. What I'm saying is purely on the rules. It's purely the rules themselves, right? So so ideally what I wanted was a chapter reference to the entire prompt exist more than once in that translation, right? Okay. And, and more than once where the another time happened outside the chapter, right? So the idea being, yep. and, and yep. also it only happens once in that chapter, right? Yep. Um, so that's the ideal. But what ends up happening in that case is you end up with one of two scenarios. You either end up in a scenario where the number of words necessary to a, a permit a foreign translation quizzer respond to respond to the query is so large that you can't actually have more than like maybe one or two of these. Um, right you know, in a, in an entire material year. Right. So there was a balance that had to be made between, uh, ensuring that a foreign translate, a foreign translation quizzer could at least theoretically respond to it if they got enough words and also supply, uh, something that is actually key to the chapter only when you provide the chapter reference. Right. And so that's why the prompt in chapter references is, uh, there's two parts of the prompt. There's the sort of call it the alpha and the bravo. The alpha part of the prompt, uh, is required to exist in some other chapter. Um, and the bravo part is not right. So the idea is the first three words of a, of a prompt of a chapter, uh, reference query must exist in some other chapter. The other words after it may or may not exist in another chapter. So the idea being that if you're triggering on a local translation, you're probably going to be able to trigger after the second word. Um, and if you're triggering from a foreign, you probably need to wait until the fourth word. Sure. Sure. So what was my point? I think my point, if I can formulated on the fly is that the optimal trigger speed based on differing material knowledges. So let's talk about H2 to jump on an interrogative and get it correct to jump on a chapter reference and get it correct without having to provide the question and getting to jump on a chapter reference and get it correct while having to provide the question. The main bulk of the difference in necessary trigger speeds is having to give the question. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'll, I'll go along with that. And so sure there's a difference because someone who knows the material better there, you know, chapter, the beginning of chapter reference questions or queries are going to be more vague than the wording that begins interrogatives or phrases, phrase queries. Right. And so if you know the material better, you will be able to trigger somewhat faster and still like and in the chapter reference case, because you know the chapter number, um, and and get it correct. Like you'll you do have an advantage, but I would argue it's really small 
until we say, hey, in H2, we make you give the question. So if we flip to H3 and you don't have to give the question, I think they're already basically the same um, because the difference in trigger speed necessary is relatively small. And from that point on, it's the same because for a phrase query, you just have to identify the phrase. For the chapter reference, you know the chapter, and then it's how long to identify this more vague phrase. But the fact that I'm given the chapter number is already baked into this calculation, right? Because once we've triggered, it should be the same. Um, and so the only thing now different, because we've already factored in, you don't have to give the question. The only thing different is context is now the whole chapter instead of five versus up or down the way that it was in H2. And I think that making the context larger means that the quizzer that knows the material better has a slightly bigger advantage because they can take on the strategy of jumping before they even know where it is <laughs> because they can quote more of the material quicker. Yeah, I mean, you may be right about that point, but I'm still going to push back on the notion of I think your brain operates differently. I, I think in a in a in a in CBQ under a phrase versus a chapter reference, if you have inadequate information, um, I think your brain works differently. I think it's it is testing the material in a slightly different way, similar to how like a quote and a finish tests the material in in a different way. I mean, obviously, if you have the verse memorized, you should be able to respond with a you know to a quote, and you should be able to respond to a query uh, with equal probability of success. Uh, the assuming you get enough information. Uh, out of the quote uh, prompt and the finish prompt, right? But assuming you have enough information, I think you respond to both of them exactly the same. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think there's a there's appreciable difference in difficulty between responding. It's just that um, your brain thinks differently about a quote than it does about a finish, right? It's it's approaching, it's it's coming in on an approach pattern slightly differently, right? And I think largely the way my brain worked was I would hear the phrase. And I would come up with occurrences and then I would say, is this in the chapter asked? Hmm, hmm. And okay. I don't know if that is the majority, the minority. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Like if people have the ability to mentally go, I'm jumping on Matthew chapter five, I'm only going to think about Matthew chapter five. My brain would just flood with the occurrences based on the material that I heard. And then I filtered it. And so it was yeah. functionally no different for me. This may also be a difference between full material memorization quizzers and uh, specific chapter memorizers, right? Um, so like uh, you, you've, you've seen this as a, as a QM yourself, I'm sure, where you'll say, you know, uh, question number five is a chapter reference. And then you say, according to chapter, I don't know, seven, are you? And then as soon as you say the word seven, if seven happens to be from, let's say, the new material or whatever, and you'll see a certain number of quizzers, especially in cons, will sort of lean back in their chair. And uh, unfortunately, that actually is a bad thing to do as a quizzer for a number of reasons. But that's a bad thing to do as a quizzer because sometimes uh, – there's a little bit of a tangent – but sometimes – a quizzer who was leaning back in their chair because they're they're like, oh, I didn't memorize anything from chapter seven, uh, would actually accidentally trigger their 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 seat and their light um, would would you know end up getting either an error or if they did it early enough a foul. But um, the I think 
I think certain quizzers think differently about it, and it might be based on full material. Like so, and it could be an efficiency, a mental efficiency thing too. If you have full material, it's probably just more efficient to think of a chapter reference in the same way that you think of a phrase. Well, actually, I was going to say the opposite because I feel like the majority of people who get a chapter reference correct either know the whole material or know the entire chapter that it's being asked from. <laughs> and sure. so it could be that if you don't know the full material, but you know the full chapter that it's being asked from, <laughs> your material like vector to scan is smaller than the full material quizzer. Sure, sure, sure. But what I'm saying is the mental path to get to the response, I think is different if you are a full material quizzer versus a, I got this chapter uh, uh, quizzer. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think you're right. And so therefore it, it you know it's testing your your knowledge in a slightly different way, right? I think it can be. It would be interesting to know like on average how quickly are chapter reference queries globally unique. Yeah, and it's going to be and I mean globally unique for local. Unique right? For like local, is yeah, it right? Is it, you know, 5.1 words or is it 5.9 words generally speaking uh, 6.5 it's been a long it's been a long time it's been i don't know more than one month but less than nine months so therefore i don't remember precisely uh how long it's been since i've i've run the simulations here but i want to say it was some i think we were oh no yeah i want to say it was like most of the time it was after the fourth word uh when things became globally locally unique or, or somewhere within the fourth word. It would make sense that it's four point something, and I would expect it to be low. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely not like six. Um, it was, it was much closer to like the three plus one, you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, shall we hit open book? Uh, yeah. Let me let me blitz through the rest of the the one uh, one changes, and then we'll jump to open book. Um, so. This appeals. That's kind of boring. Um, oh, the whole foul section I uh, got simpler. So a, a very clever quizzer figured out a way to essentially break quizzing <laughs> by leveraging the an intentional foul by basically opening their material uh, without actually calling open book, which was originally written in 1.0 as a foul. We had to make a, a you know a a last minute, which I hated doing, but we made a last minute rule change at IOC to just convert it into an error because um, I was, uh, I just, it basically set up a situation where it could break a quiz. So the foul section has been simplified and moved around a fair bit. So I want to draw people's attention to that. And I kind of want there to be a meetup of people who something they did caused a rule to be written or changed <laughs> right 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 well I think there, it would be a fun group of individuals yeah well the, the quizzer who i won't say his name but the quizzer who figured this out is um uh he's he's really smart great kid um and really thought through read the rule book pretty pretty tightly and thought through the implications and and found this bug uh, in the rulebook, and um, uh, fortunately, I was notified that the quizzer found the bug before the meet, so that I could walk into the meet saying, "We have to fix this." <laughs> I'm, you know, coaches. I'm really sorry. We have to make this change because I loathe, I super loathe 
making rules changes like without significant advanced warning. Um, but, and so I apologize profusely, but it was like, uh, yeah, we have to fix this. Um, uh, and fortunately it wasn't an issue at the meet, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, a uh, it was kind of an oops. All right. And everything else, I mean, there's a lot of little other changes throughout the 1.0 and 1.1, uh, change, but none of them really have any sort of appreciable, massive changes to operations. So with that, let's move on to open book. So how to, how to dive into this? My theory and maybe Scott, you can be devil's advocate or not, um, or do the math or, or whatever for this. But my theory is it is never a good idea for a team who can respond synonymously to respond open book. And that if there is a team that ends up, let's say, specializing, quote unquote, on open book. So that is to say, let's say it's a team of three people show up and none of them have memorized anything and they decide we're going to just 100% open book everything as much as we possibly can. My argument is that team should never really be able to defeat a team that actually has the material memorized. Um, and even if we're talking about a team, let's say, that has 50% of the material memorized at a synonymous level, not a verbatim level, but a synonymous level, the team that has 50% of the material memorized at synonymous level should always defeat a team that, is, and by always, I mean not 100% of the time, but let's say well in excess of 95% of the time uh, relative to a team that is only answering or responding uh, open book. So that's the theory. Where do we go from here? Um, and I don't, I don't think it's problematic to state that um, you've had some pushback saying like, I think that that might not be the case, right? That thesis might not be the case. It might be a more optimal than we would like strategy for a team to do a lot of open book jumping, which might kind of crowd out the ability of people to do non-open book jumping, right? Right, right. That's the, yeah, yeah, that's the premise. And so like thinking back to age two, there was absolutely times, especially in finals, where I would... Um, jump on a question that I knew I wasn't very good at because I could, I knew that I would take away points from another team because the error was, if I made an error, w wouldn't hurt me very much and it would burn the question for the other team that had a specialist. Now, this worked for a few reasons. Um, one being teams having very good ultra specialists and the fact that the most anyone could get on a question was 20 points, you know, sometimes 30 points, but, um, it was hard to make up points if you had, if one of your productive quizzers had their ability kind of taken away from them in, in some respects. Um, so in age three, the same opportunity kind of presents itself, but it has a couple mitigating factors. One is that you can't burn the question. If you like, you have to get it right. If you make an error, um, the same type. So, if there's an ultra specialist, they would get it asked to them now with one fewer team jumping. Also, open book points are low and the possibility for higher points is much larger than open book. So like if in age two, there was a question of some difficulty that someone could get 70 points on. Well, maybe I wouldn't really want to burn a question. I would want to just worry more about optimizing myself if someone can make up ground that quickly, right? And especially if maybe me getting this question correct is 10 points instead of 20. Um, and so I think that was the hope with the design in H3 of open book. 
And have you seen anything in playtesting or actual testing to like show you differently so far? I, I haven't so far. Um, okay. what, I, what I've seen is actually, uh, I mean, and obviously I'm biased here, right? Rather non-trivially, but I haven't seen anything to indicate that OpenBook isn't doing exactly what it was intended for, right? It was, you know, if you don't okay. know the information, it allows you to put a point on the board, but you're paying a, a you know, a pretty significant cost to, to getting that point on the board. I think, I think it's helpful to state that goal, which was in H2, the barrier to getting even one question correct in a year was relatively high to the point that, um, 10 to 20% of quizzers would get a zero for the year. And so there was a desire to make it easier to score some amount of points, but to keep that low and to increase the upside to like still allow quizzers with excellent ability to differentiate themselves many times over. And so I think because of that, the existence of open book can come with some downside and still be wildly worth it, right? It doesn't have to come with zero downside to justify its existence at all. Yeah. Well, and playing devil. So I know we were talking about you playing devil's advocate. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second and actually say, I think so. So your point about specialization is absolutely right. In, in when you were talking about like say H2, the H2 stratagem environment, right? So move into C the CBQ universe. There is a possibility of, let's say, specializing on base type right now probably not going to be uh doing that for phrases and may probably not for chapter references either but uh in terms of like quotes and finishes you can definitely see some specialization there to a degree uh, on finishes but on quotes like there could be a quizzer who who says like i'm just really really good at hearing a reference and being able to just say back to you the, 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 the words of, of that particular verse. Right. And, and they, and so specialization is not, we should actually, I, I need to go back and redefine what that word is because the word specialization in age two means something very different than age three in age two specialization means I get to score as well, but I memorize less right in age three, I just get better at certain types of of queries but i still have to memorize everything right so when i say a quote special a specialization in age three this doesn't actually let me memorize less <laughs> it just means that my brain is wired more for say quotes uh than other types or i find responding to quotes uh easier let's say or or i'm able to have a higher percentage of of probability of getting them correct for whatever reason right the so so specialization means something different and i know what i just said is probably going to rub some people in second age the wrong way but i i still stand by it i th i think specialization in the context of age 2 is a way to achieve a similar score but by memorizing less material which honestly i feel is directly uh anti-missional and therefore i don't want that <laughs> to exist um so in h3 it doesn't right but going back to my devil's advocate point i think a quizzer could say my brain 
works best when I am responding to quote queries. Scott knows that my brain responds best to quote queries, maybe because I told him, right? You know, during a fellowship time or something like that. I've, 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 he knows that, that I really like quote queries. So he intentionally rapid jumps. And of course, Scott is a bad example here because Scott Peterson, the real Scott Peterson is a full material quizzer. So you definitely don't want to trigger too fast on a quote and error because then I just get an easy pickup of points, right? So we're not talking about that. We're not talking about burning a query because you can't burn a query. Instead, what we're talking about is Scott, who's not a full material uh, quizzer, but is a limited material quizzer or a no material quizzer. And you're going to lightning speed uh, trigger on a quote query and open book it, thus removing the quote uh, type, assuming you get it correct, you're removing the quote type from my opportunity of getting to it. Now, that's not really true because worst case scenario, you have an optimal trigger speed for a quote. I have an optimal tr uh, trigger speed for a quote. And that speed should be basically the same uh, for both of us, right? Uh, my ideal and your ideal is the perfect quote unquote speed. And that is going to be the same for both you and me, whether I'm a full material quizzer and you're a no material quizzer, uh, it's the same speed. Therefore, I will end up getting 50% of, see, I'm talking myself out of the devil's advocate position, but essentially I, in that universe, which I think is reality, um, except the roles would be reversed. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm probably confusing everybody. So let's say Scott is responding to a, uh, let's say I'm, there's a query coming up. It's a quote query. Scott is a full material quizzer. I'm a no material quizzer. We're going to trigger at the same speed, which means Scott has a 50% chance of getting the trigger. If I get the trigger, I'm going to get one point. If Scott gets the trigger, he's going to get two, three, seven. Well, he won't get seven. He'll get up to six because it's a quote, right? So he can't get the the final point for the reference. But you could get you're you're going to get somewhere between two and six points. I will only get one. Um, and that's if we're optimally, perfectly tr uh, triggering. So I have the opportunity to put points on the board. But ultimately, I max out at two, and you can keep going. Okay. Sorry. So I, I know I, I just circled. I, I said I was going to play devil's advocate, and I basically attacked this from 360 degrees and probably confused myself along the way. But does that make sense? I didn't hear a point. Yeah. Um, my point is basically the same as yours, that there is, there is, no, there is no real situation where an open book quizzer can remove the opportunity of a 50% synonymous quizzer from winning well over 90% of the time. Okay. Can we back up a little bit? Oh, yes, please. There are a standard quiz has 12 queries, right? Right. And three teams of three. Yeah, maximally. So in a hypothetical world where two teams jump open book every time and win every jump, those six quizzers could take up all 12 queries. They could, but they won't be able to do that. Well, okay, but just I'm saying like in a, a hypothetical, sure. they could, right? If they yeah, yeah. Hypothetical. were the ones that won the jumps and then got all of those six correct, um, it, 
the quiz would end with that third team potentially knowing far more material not scoring. Right. You could potentially end up in a universe where the score is 6-6-0. Okay. So then we have to move on to, for each base subtype, what is, like, does open book give you an ability, knowing less material, to trigger faster on average and still get it right because the requirements for you to get it right are lower? Do you think that that's a useful exercise? Well, relative to what? Can you can you as an open book quizzer jump faster than you would otherwise? Absolutely. Can you as an open book quizzer jump faster than somebody who has the material memorized? I don't think so. Okay. So take, let's say we're talking about a phrase query, local translation. I know a quarter of the material. You know all of it. Um, I will be trying to get it open book. You will be trying to get it at least synonymous, if not more difficult. Right. So you don't think that I can – that on average, my optimal trigger speed is quicker than yours? No, I think it's, no. I think it's about the same. In fact, actually, I would argue it's potentially slower because you won't know necessarily when something becomes key as rapidly as I could. Sure. And I think I agree with you. Now, I think this could change – and I, I, I agree that actually – your jumping point will your optimal trigger speed will be slower. The quarter content open book quizzer on a phrase query. I absolutely think that. I think it the tr- optimal trigger speeds might get very close and potentially faster when it comes to any query that involves a reference or part of the reference. I'm talking about quotes and chapter references. I disagree on quote. I think I think it becomes the same but not faster. It becomes the same um, I would agree that the optimal trigger point is the same, um, but because, but from that point on, if we are assuming that the full content quizzer is going for at least, you can jump on a quote and do synonymous, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, assuming that they're going for at least synonymous, w- what would you think the difficulty rate is from that point on? You, oh, you mean After like the the trigger speed is the exact same, and let's say we both optimally trigger, and each of us gets fifty percent of the jumps. Um, but I'm going for open book and you're going for synonymous. Like, do you think the open book quizzer converts a way higher percentage, roughly the same percentage, a lower percentage? Um, it depends on in this scenario, I'm the full material quizzer. Yeah. It depends. Like, it depends on if I'm willing to, to pick up an open book. Right. So like if I, no, if no, no I, let's just say let, you're doing straight synonymous, no adverse. Sure, sure, sure. But that's not real, though, right? Because, I mean, ultimately, let's say, I, let's say I'm full material, right? I know that if I tr- – and sorry, we, we, were we limiting this down to only a quote query? Yeah, we're just talking about quotes right now. Yeah, so if, if, I'm, if I'm full material and I actually am full material and you're zero material or quarter, it doesn't matter, but, but you're, gonna, you're, you're an open book quizzer – I I can't I can't I can't think of a reason why I would be any slower than you ever. No, no, not not talking about slower. We're both optimally triggering right at the exact same speed, and each of us are winning fifty percent. But you are li- uh, are in this hypothetical. You are only going for synonymous and no adverse, and I'm going for only open book. What are the rates of conversion of each? Okay, right. So you so when you get. The fifty percent, you have a basically a one hundred percent chance of um, agreed getting it correct um, for one point. 
if I'm a full material quizzer, I think I have a 100% chance because I begin synonymously. And if I can't get it, if I'm not confident I'm going to get it, I can always revert down to um, an open book. But let's say I don't, then it's like, okay, well, what's my error rate going to be? Uh, maybe as a, uh, I trail into a different verse prior to answering enough of the uh, data to be able to be counted correct for synonymous. So let's say I can I'm... guarantee you it's less than 100%. Oh, sure, sure, sure. The number of times myself or Andrew or Jeremy have yeah, jumped that, on the full reference of a quote and gotten it wrong. That's, that's exactly like, what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm sure I'm sure it's below 100%. I'm trying to figure out what that number is, right? But if I have the opportunity to go open book, that percentage goes way higher, right? Um but so so in other words, if I if I if I win the trigger, you, I You don't have the opportunity to go open book. But I but I but I would. I always will. If I if I begin no. answering synonymously, I can always call open book. But I'm saying in the hypothetical, like that's not we're not exploring that hypothetical. Oh, okay. We're just saying we're saying I'm artificially constrained to synonymous. And I've actually talked myself into my conclusion. Sure. Which is if you think that any quizzer can have basically a 100% success rate, I don't think it should be allowed. I don't think you should allow open book on quotes. And potentially not on chapter references. Mm, okay, I disagree. But um, if if I'm just looking up a verse and reading it, sure, it takes like zero knowledge. It takes not it, just limited. Oh, sure, it takes zero knowledge. But but the same could be said for finish the verse, um, right? No, no. Why? Because at the rate that I'm jumping at um, this universe of six opponent quizzers, um, on average, you're not getting. Is it going to be seven words? In the prompt query for a finish, uh, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be five. It'll be five. Okay. So on average, I'm not getting full five, right? I don't know right. if on average I'm getting three, four and a half, what, but it's not the full five. Sure. And so, like, what do you think the success rate of an open book quizzer who wins fifty percent of finish jumps? I think they're going to get like fifty percent right, thirty percent right. Mm. Like they're going to have three or four words and have to find where that starts a verse in the material. Sure. But let's, let's put that aside. You were artificially constraining me. So I'm going to artificially constrain you. So in the scenario where you've got a, an open book quizzer who knows nothing, it's a quote query and we're doing nothing but quote queries. And you've got a quizzer who's full material and the quizzer who's full material is responding synonymously. Always. They never respond to open book. They never get to add any other, you know, query subtypes on, right? Um, they're, and they're not, we are constraining them also to not be able to drop down to open book, right? Sure. We're agreed that between these two quizzers, there is a 50 50 on, on trigger, uh, winning. Yep. We're saying on one side, the open book quizzer has a one, basically a 100%. I mean, it's, we'll call it 99% because it's not 100 because they can make a mistake. But let's say it's effectively a 100%, um, theoretical, uh, correctness, right? Versus the other side. And let's say it's somewhere around 80% based on a scientific study I just, just made up in my head. Um, but it's somewhere in that ballpark, let's say, right? So full material quizzer, right? The full material quizzer will always win in terms of total points, uh, across the quiz. I agree. But I think my single point is I don't care about the opportunity cost or the opponent, if a quizzer who doesn't know anything can prevent 
an opponent um, from scoring any percentage of the time when and have a 100% chance of scoring themselves, it doesn't seem like something you want to allow in a competition. I actually disagree. I think we do want it. This is this is the this is the 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 scenario and it's very limited, right? Um but this is the scenario that gives quizzers who ha- were invited to the quiz meet, you know, the day of the opportunity to actually do something at a quiz meet, right? Um the idea that a that a quizzer shows up knowing nothing, totally doesn't know what's going on with how quizzing rules work. Responding accurately, correctly, open book to a phrase query is really difficult. It is, it's probably not possible. Responding to a chapter reference is possible, but, but hard, like potentially hard. Now, easier in the Gepka season than say like the Axe season, because the chapters are a lot smaller, so there's less to scan through, but still really hard, possible, but really hard, right? Um, finish a lot more possible, uh, still not great. Right. And so really quotes are the only thing that that kind of quizzer is going to be able to respond to. And I actually want them to have that opportunity provided that the quizzer who is memorized will always be able to defeat them in terms of total points earned. To me, that is directly missional because I want quizzers who haven't invested anything to be able to have a tiny bit of a dopamine hit from getting, you know, one point uh, response to be able to then say, that was cool. I got a one point response. I'm no, I no longer have a zero. Uh, maybe that dopamine hit is what pushes me to go and memorize some verses before the next meet so that I can attempt synonymous from time to time. Um, I think I, I agree with, or I understand everything that you're saying. And I also will absolutely admit that the odds of someone walking into a quiz meet knowing nothing and able to trigger optimally is yeah. all, is basically near zero itself. Right. <laughs> um, but you maybe maybe I shouldn't take this to the logical extreme, but you could see a world where if trained correctly, every single quote query in a meet is gotten by somebody who knows less material than everybody else. Yeah. But I'm, I, I think that is theoretically true. I don't think it it will ever practically become true, but even if it did practically become true, I actually think that's okay because I think the bigger picture is we're, we're taking those four queries. No, three queries. Yeah. We're taking those three quote queries in a quiz and we're saying, these are the three queries that are actually plausible for an open book haven't memorized anything quizzer to potentially go after. And again, they're they're even if they go after those things, they only get to go after them with a 50% success rate. Sure, sure. So I, I mean I think I, I think you could still you could still see that because of that 50% chance of winning the jump for a full content quizzer and something less than a hundred percent chance of then getting it right that they decide to spend their time elsewhere. Sure. Sure. Um, but I think, I think practically we're not going to see this. Like looking at like, uh, IOC is one example. We had teams who showed up who prac, I mean, we had, we actually had 
at least one quizzer who I know for a fact literally knew one verse and one verse only and didn't even really have familiarity with anything else, right? Let, you know, let alone, you know, memorizing. Uh, and so obviously he was a, an open book, uh, quizzer for, for the meet. We had a couple of teams where I know they basically were more or less like they were, they, they had a little bit more familiarity, familiarity with the material than this quizzer. Uh, but not by much. Right. And we also had teams where you had really strong quizzers with some weak quizzers and the weak quizzers were doing more open booky kind of stuff. Looking at the stats, I, I didn't see any strata of the stat where I would have said, oh, that person scored above or below their capability based on their memorization, their investment relative to the other teams. But every team was able to put points on the board. Yep. I think because you said that in the hypothetical world where every single quote is gotten open book by a quizzer who knows nothing when there are quizzers that know full content in this are existing in the same quiz and you would be fine with that. I think that makes everything that you've said logically consistent. And I would, um, I would want something different, but I think that's because I am putting less importance on the ability of someone who doesn't know anything to get a question, right? Cause I, I think the open book is the easiest base subtype to get correct open book. And it's relatively difficult to get a correct open book query of any other base subtype, not knowing material. Yeah, I think I think there is an argument to be made that if you have a coach that really knows what they're doing and puts together a finish list uh, for a quizzer that um, for for reference material, I think it draws a finish the verse into the realm of possibility for an open book quizzer. But um, it's still, it's not, a, it's not, it's not trivial uh, for the open book. It, like it still takes work because you have to go, okay, this is a finish the verse. I, I, I know I have to count a certain number of syllables and, and, you know, it, it's a little bit more risky. I think it, but it, I think it brings finish into the realm of possibility. Whereas I think realistically uh, chapter reference is not possible and phrase is definitely not possible. But I think, you know, I think you're able to make, a consistent case to people and say, like, I see this scenario that you're probably talking about as potentially, um, it, it could happen. It doesn't seem like it's happened at all, even close to it in all of the meets that we've had thus far. And you could even offer to show the percentages, like the stats ongoing and see like what percentage of quote queries are gotten open book at all. Right. Um, and you you would you might have quizzers getting open book quizzers who know a decent amount of material themselves, um, but I you know you could say until this rate of open book on quotes exceeds X percent, you know there's not really any reason to consider not allowing it, or you know maybe even if it's seventy five percent, that's a reason for allowing it. Right, right. See, and I would go so far as to say like imagine a quiz where it was nothing but quote queries. And imagine, let's say it's two quizzers. Uh, one is open book, knows nothing. The other one is full, 50% material synonymous, right? Um, and you do nothing but quote queries, the entire quiz. And you also say there are no ceilings. The, I believe the open book quizzer will not win. I, I, it's difficult for me to, to, I'd, I'd have to run the scenarios to be sure. 
But I think there's like maybe a 2% chance at best that the open book quizzer uh, wins on points. Uh, and in, I would agree universe. with you. I would agree with you, but I'm less concerned about the winning. I would be concerned about, oh, if 60% of the queries are gotten by someone who doesn't know very much material, like, um, I guess if all you care about is the winning, like, okay, I mean, take this to the extreme. What if the points were such and difficulties were such that the no material open book quizzer got 85% of the queries in a meet mm -hmm. and the full content quizzer got 15% and the full content won. Um, are you happy with that outcome or would you have wanted the open, the full content quizzer to have more abilities to show what they know? Um, I'd like the open or sorry, I'd like the, the full, the not open book quizzer to be able to, have fun right um and i think in that extreme example they're going to have less fun than what is currently reality because they have less uh you know uh less dopamine hits right um right. but ultimately justice still prevails right and I, what i mean by justice is like the amount of of memorization that you do should always put you ahead of somebody who puts in less right um, and now, and, and, and that's not just the investment, it's the investment and the recall and the skills development and all, you know, the review and all the things, right. But your capability to memorize and recall that information should, unless there's like a weird fluke, you should always win. Right. And I would, I would make the argument that in second age, there were more opportunities for those flukes to happen than in the third age. I think in the third oh. age, it is almost impossible that you're not going to come out on top. I agree with that. And yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like in age two, it was, it was really easy for someone to score a 55 and someone else to score a 40. Right. Um, right. And the 40 knew way more material. Um, so I, I do agree with all of that. I just, you know, you, you could, at the end of the day, these are kids, even right. up to high school age. And so you could theorize of some basketball player who's so good that just kind of the fairness to his teammates and the other team, they play him for a 10th of the game and they still end up scoring more points than any other player. Mm -hmm. it, it might be kind of a crappy experience for them, even if they're still recognized as the best one and right. did score, you know? Um, and so there's always a balance to be struck there. I don't think we would verge towards those sorts of question, correct distribution extremes that I hypothesized. Um, but yeah. And, and and honestly, that's why we have the, the ceiling system, right? So in my scenario, I literally said everything is a, a quote query and there are no ceilings, but only three qu uh, queries are quotes in a three uh, team uh, quiz and right. uh, ceilings exist. So an open book quizzer gets two at bats. Well, they actually, they get however many at bats they want, but they only, they only get two corrects uh, and then they're done. Um, whereas, uh, you know, somebody who is synonymous only, they get four. And so you're getting four dopamine hits. And I would argue that the dopamine hit of getting a synonymous correct is bigger than the dopamine hit of getting an open book correct. So ultimately, like, I, I think it's, it engages people at the open book level to the point where they do get something out of it. They're engaged with the sport and hopefully they take that uh, and go home and, and memorize some verses. Uh, but then, and, and 
in our very, 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 very limited data set that we have so far, that actually seems to be true. Uh, the quizzers who were, who were explicitly open book had a good time at IOC and were jazzed and were like, yeah, I actually want to do quizzing now. I actually want to memorize because I see I've experienced how cool it is to get a question. And I've seen the people next to me who've gotten a question from memory and I want to give that a try. Uh, and so I think that's, that's, you know, very missional while at the same time, not sacrificing at all anybody who's invested <laughs> and always giving those people who are investing more, uh, more points as a result of their investment. Right. I was just going to ask if it was two open book queries, correct. That was the limit. Um, cause I was like, what if you made it even an, an error counts against, but there's no functional reason to do that because you can't burn a question. Exactly. Error. Yeah. So if I go after, if I go after a, an open book on, let's say a quote and I trigger just a little bit too fast, which is, you know, very possible to do because, uh, triggering precisely on a quote is not easy. Right. Uh, so let's say I do that and I err. Well, that's a, that's a gimme set of points for Scott on the, on the, you know, on the B. Right. And that's the punishment because it's not, because you could argue that if I'm open book, I don't know very much. Um, it's almost a free error hunting for the edge, but it's not because you can't burn the question and the points just go to your opponent. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, it's not, if, if I, if I'm open booking and I'm, and I trigger too fast, all I've done is hurt myself. Uh, you still have every opportunity to go after that quote in a, in a sane world. And that was something that was really interesting, um, from IOC. I think we, we mentioned this, um, in a, I don't, I, I think we mentioned this in, in a previous podcast episode, but there were some quizzers and teams at IOC who kept jumping, triggering. They kept triggering too fast, like consistently too fast. And it was interesting because it was very, very, very clearly hurting them. And it was hurting them badly, but they didn't throttle their speed. Uh, and I found that, I found that very interesting. Yeah. Well, hopefully this pod is useful to people because I feel like I tried really hard and, you know, to, <laughs> to break it. But I, and what I thought was the easy conclusion, um, it was not so simple because the fact that it's almost a slam dunk if you trigger optimally, doesn't make it bad right? for somebody that knows no material. Yeah, it supports it, the mission. It, and in a lot of ways, it makes it good. And the fact that I zeroed in on quotes because it, once you've triggered optimally, um, you're guaranteed to get – you're basically guaranteed to get it right is almost the reason you want to retain open book on quotes as opposed to the other base subtypes. Right, exactly. Interesting. Well, and on that bombshell, we've gone a little bit over, but uh, would love to hear feedback from folks, uh, especially the folks who were involved in IOC, but really anybody uh, would love to hear your comments, questions, concerns, nagging doubts, fears, paranoia, uh, and disagreements always get bumped to the head of the line. If you would like to send us your thoughts, please do so at iq at cbqz.org. That's email. You can also chat with us in almost near real time on the Bible quizzing Slack forum, Inside Quizzing. You can find a link to that on the cbqz.org website or on the pnwquizzing.org website. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, our uh, account is at Inside Quizzing. 
And with that, I will say thank you all for listening and thank you, Scott. Yeah, thank you to our listeners. I would love to hear anyone's thoughts on, um, if you were an age two quizzer, how you mentally worked through chapter reference questions and whether you knew the full material or not, because that, that would be wildly interesting. Yeah, very. But thanks to all of our listeners and thanks to Griffin. Griffin.